You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Buckeye Breakdown podcast. This is the Buckeye Report, part of our uh, our coverage. Buckeyes now on Fan Nation, the Sports Illustrated Media Group. Glad to be with you from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center after Ryan Day just wrapped up his press conference previewing the Buckeyes and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm Brendan Gulick. This is Andrew Lind. Certainly appreciate it if you'd follow us on our social media channels at BuckeyesNow underscore FN. And uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well so you can get more content just like this. You can also listen to it after the fact wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. Uh, Ryan Day, not only the uh, the one to, to headline today, as he usually does on Tuesdays, but we heard from secondaries and uh, especially cornerbacks coach Tim Walton uh, and we had a, a great conversation, I thought, with with Mitch Rossi at tight end, uh, who is one of the more well-spoken guys and, and lighthearted guys on the team. Fun to pick his brain on whether or not he's a tight end or a fullback. Just ask him. Um, but let's start with Ryan Day. Um, you got a guy who is coming off another big win, who still seems pretty focused, but I think there is a relaxed somewhat nature mm-hmm. around him right now because the fact of the matter is that things are going according to plan. And so it's not the panic that, you know, we saw this team feeling last year. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just that, you know, at at this point we kind of know what they are. I mean, obviously Jackson will kind of take them to another level, but I definitely think that it's just kind of a matter of, you know, them being focused on improving those things, you know, that they know their identity, they know everything about, you know, what they can be. It's a matter of finding those things that maybe didn't go right within a game. And just the small things to improve upon and make sure that those are perfection so that, you know, when it when it comes time, they're they're at that at really going full cylinder. I saw the uh, an interesting note in the game notes today. The Buckeyes have scored twenty or more points in sixty five consecutive games. Mm-hmm. They are only four behind the all time FBS record. When you look at the opponents that are coming up on the schedule, obviously Iowa certainly has a tough defense. You don't want to look past anybody, but these are these are teams that the Buckeye offense should go out and play well against. Um, so we're not just talking about a team this year that is clicking. It's it's an identity of this program now. Everything is feeding into the fact that when when you come to Ohio State, the expectation is you're going to score a lot of points. And I think the Buckeyes doubled down on that with a heck of a performance this past weekend. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and say, oh, they're, I mean, they're guaranteed to get more than 20 in every game because I wouldn't have assumed that they would only got 21 against Notre Dame. So, you know, it, it, but if you look at the schedule, I mean, it, it feels like they're going get to o- get over that. But, yeah, I mean, even in that Notre Dame game, you know, Ryan Day talked today about just kind of how their identity was taken away from them in that game because Jackson went down. You know, they didn't really have a, a game plan for – you know, not having him. So then, you know, to have these guys, you know, step up and, and be able to get over 21 points despite maybe not, you know, going to Jackson as much as you would have expected in that game, like, yeah, I fully expect them to, to go well over 70, really. 
it's Rutgers week, and historically that has typically meant a blowout. Uh, I think Rutgers is a better team the last couple years than we saw from them back in 2016, 17, 18 for sure. Um, I still think that this game probably won't be particularly close, but you got to go out and you got to play. A couple years ago, Rutgers ran every trick play they could think of, and they gave Ohio State a tough time at, at points. Um, they were never really in danger of truly winning the game, but there was enough rigmarole that that you know happened during the course of the game that kind of made you as a fan a, a little bit frustrated albeit from home because nobody yeah. was in the stadium that night yeah and i mean i think that you know shiano is really the perfect coach for them just because he has you know those ties in in new jersey and, and was obviously the coach there before and just kind of knows how to motivate those players i know that you know recruiting wise you see him you know kind of taking that step forward too by keeping a you know a couple players home that they might not have otherwise when he wasn't there. But, yeah, I think that, you know, that for, for a moment, it was actually kind of trending to where Ohio State and Rutgers had kind of like the point differential was actually going down a little bit until last year, and it went right back up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to play hard, but, you know, it's not going to be anything that's going to be close at all. So this spreads right around six touchdowns at the moment. It's obviously early in the week. We'll see where it ends up, but it's it probably won't be too far off of that. Uh, some injury updates that I think are worth noting. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Still bothered by uh, a hamstring injury. Ryan Day was pretty matter-of-fact in saying it's day-to-day. Jackson's frustrated. We're all frustrated for him. Um, but he he kind of went into the deep dive of like, look, sometimes life just doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go. And it's our job as coaches to understand that it's not just about calling plays. It's about mentorship and tutelage and and helping guys get through things that sometimes are just flat out tough to deal with. And I think that's where Jackson is right now. Yeah. And he, you know, he kind of talked about just having the mindset of showing up every day and eventually, you know, you're going to get past it because it's just, you know, you work and you, you go through your rehab and, and see if you can practice. And one day it's just going to be better to where he's going to be out there on the field and they're not going to think anything of it. And, you know, it'll just kind of be a memory in the back of their mind. And yeah, I think it's just a, a matter of him, you know, coming to practice, testing it out. I mean, they haven't practiced since Saturday, obviously. And, you know, on Saturday, Ryan Day said, we'll see how he is on Tuesday. So today's really the first day to get him out here and, and see where he's at. And and obviously we meet with Coach Day before practice on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we had a, a chance to say, hey, did he practice today? Uh, they don't practice till 4.30s. Or I should say they don't practice until 4.30 in the afternoons now uh, with classes going on. On the defensive side of the ball, there's a heck of a lot of conversation, as there should be, around the, the secondary. Um, not just because we had a chance to speak with Tim Walton today, but certainly because of the fact that they were pretty shorthanded this past weekend. Denzel Burke didn't play, thought maybe he would be able to give it a go, ended up not happening. Cam Brown was unavailable. It sounds like Jordan Hancock is going to continue to be unavailable. Um, I guess the silver lining, Ryan Day said he's hopeful that Burke and Brown will be back this week. Uh, He said he probably expects that Jordan's going to be out at least another week. It's it's a tough deal, but I thought all in all, the you know secondary did a pretty good job on Saturday. Yeah, for sure, and obviously to have you know Jair Brown and, and J.K. Johnson go out there and have their first you know their first starts, their first real extended playing time, I thought they did really well. And yeah, I mean that's it's kind of what Tim Walton said. You know, you're just kind of giving the hand you're dealt, and that's where they're at right now with just six scholarship cornerbacks on the roster, and to have three of them you know in and out or just not even be able to play so far this season, like that that's a tough thing to deal with. But yeah, I mean. 
it benefits them in the fact that they're they're playing Rutgers. They shouldn't have an issue this weekend. So, you know, even if you're easing those guys back into into play and then, you know, allowing Brown and, and JK to to kind of have a bigger, you know, role this year, that just it really it's kind of a, a silver lining, if you will, just because you know, getting them playing time is going to help that depth. Whereas, you know, if it was just, you know, Brown and Burke all the time, well, maybe that's not such a, a such a great thing. I asked Ryan Day about play calling. Um, I've been meaning to ask him this for a little while, and I, I thought it was an appropriate week to do it because, frankly, I thought he, I thought he called one of his better games in recent memory. Uh, it was it was really really good on Saturday. You know, he's pretty quick, as he usually is, to point, um, you know, point to his players and say, those are the guys that make it happen. Players play, and it's not about the plays. It's about the players and every other cliche you can think of. Um, but he kind of laughed. He goes, seriously, if, if they work, we'll probably call them again. If the plays don't work, we we might not. Uh, and he just kind of went into his, his, you know, a little bit of an evaluation process of how – he goes back and, and looks at it after the game and says, look, it, you know, that play is exactly the kind of thing that we're trying to repeat. We want to run that regularly, but maybe we can run a few tweaks off of it. And on the flip side, he said, man, you, you put hours and hours into certain plays. And he said, we had one in particular on Saturday. The look was there and it just didn't happen. It's like, that's a, that's a yeah. knife right in your heart. Well, I kind of find that, found that interesting because that's not something that we see, you know, whether you're a fan, whether you're a reporter or whatever, you know, we don't get to see that the hours that they put into a play, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's just repeating it over and over again on the field and, you know, getting everybody used to what's, what they're supposed to do. And we kind of forget that there's so much that goes into it from the coaches drawing it up to then them explaining it to the players, to then the players, each all, all 11 having their own jobs to do on that play and for it to all come together, you know, you really want to hit on that. And I think that, you know, obviously it didn't work on Saturday, but I mean, I imagine that, you know, there's a lot that they'll find that they'll be happy with in that play and how it developed and so forth. And they'll do it again. He also talked a bit about how they really feel like the, the bubble screens and things like that are just extensions of the run game for them. Uh, and it is that way because the guys on the outside are so committed to blocking on the perimeter. I think that's something that this team takes a ton of pride in. They know that they've got guys that can go out and make eye-popping highlight plays, whether they're receivers or running backs. You know, CJ has at least a couple throws a game that make you go, holy smokes, I can't believe he did that. Um, but it's it's the attention to detail with the little things. It's the selflessness on the outside from Marvin and Emeka and right on down the line, guys that want to block yeah. and take pride in making that block that makes a play blow up. Well, and that's what's kind of crazy about just, you know, when you're when you're a high school wide receiver, you know, you're, you're not worrying about that. You're just going down the field making plays. And, you know, Julian, Emeka, Marvin, all highly rated, you know, recruits coming out of high school. And, you know, for them to really put in that effort and, and really want to focus on their blocking, they weren't going to see the field until they did. So, you know, that just talks about just – their, their physicality and wanting to make a play in that way because then they'll be rewarded later on because of that. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I thought there was one other thing that uh, certainly caught my attention this week, and it was about the availability report. Ryan said that the last few weeks, you know, they've been kind of meeting on like Thursdays to figure out what that availability report's going to look like. We've obviously had a couple guys that haven't played that were not listed as, hey, they're not going to play. Uh, so he said, we're going to meet a little bit later in the week and hopefully have an availability report that that reflects it a little bit more uh, accurately. Um, I'd say because uh, I don't know that he did it because of us as the media, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Denzel didn't play. We didn't find that out until he didn't warm. You know, I mean, he warmed up, but we didn't see him until uh, every, everybody came out in uniform and he wasn't in uniform. Lathan Ransom didn't play. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, we kind of have to go off of what we're told, but we don't necessarily find it out until they come out of the tunnel and they're about to go. What'd you make of Tim Walton today? You can tell he, he had, he like, he relishes the opportunity to be here. And, you know, he's just very excited to establish relationships with, with the players. And I think that that was one thing that was a little bit different for him in the NFL, you know, was just, you don't really get that developmental, you know, kind of, uh, aspect of the NFL because you know you're basically just signing the best players you can with the money that you have and you call it a day and you go out there and you work with what you have and here it's about establishing relationships developing those kids and and just kind of it, it starts with a relationship like he said because if you establish that then the, all the football stuff will follow like really easily and he, he talked about how he wanted to make sure that he treated the kids right now despite the fact that most of the guys in his room are first and second year players not seasoned professionals after spending you know well over a decade in the nfl he's like look I, I try to teach them football but i also try to treat them the way that they want to be treated because their goal the vast majority of them their goal is to play in the nfl and so i'm, I'm trying to get them ready for that it's one of the things i most admire about ohio state just as a program in general these coaches do such a good job of making sure that these guys are, in the vast majority of cases, ready to be NFL football players because they speak the right language, they do the things that that they don't have to be told to do, they are professionals yeah. before they actually turn pro. Well, I think that that's one thing that we see a lot of in college because on one hand, it's like, okay, well, you have to, you know, you obviously have to win first and foremost if you're a coach, like that's your job. But I think that Ohio State obviously does that good good job of finding that balance of okay well we're going to win we know we're going to win we're going to recruit those players but we're also going to get them ready for the next step and a lot of colleges don't seem to do that they just say we're in the here and now we're going to use them to their full maximum potential and then you know whatever happens after that happens after that and i think that you know that that we've really seen that shift especially in the last like four or five years where it's like okay these guys are the moment that they hit the nfl they're ready to make an impact that's not to say that there aren't a few bad apples in every group right i mean there's always exceptions to the rule but the vast majority of guys that come from columbus and go pursue professional football uh, are guys that are ready to do so and it's it's an impressive group i don't know if mitch rossi is going to be an nfl player or not but um he's a really good dude he's very well spoken and he's playing really well this year, and I think it's kind of fun to see him a little bit more involved in the offense uh, with Ohio State using another wrinkle now in, in a fullback that we just haven't seen from them in, in the Ryan Day era. Yeah, and I mean, if 
if we're going to talk about just getting somebody ready for the NFL, I think his future is as a fullback. Yeah. In the NFL if it's there, you know, a key special teams player who's just hard nosed and going to, you know, make plays in that way. And I think that, you know, Ohio State really recognized what they had in him because, you know, he didn't necessarily fit into Ryan Day's offense. I mean, he's not, you know, a tight end who's going to line up, you know, maybe an extension of the the offensive line or maybe go out wide at, like we've seen Kate Stover this weekend. And, you know, I think that them just knowing what he is, how, how tough he is, put him in that situation and say, you know what, at the end of the day, we need to score. And if the best way to score is to put the ball in his hands and get one or two yards and put it in the end zone, then that's what we're going to do. He's plenty capable of it. He said, look, yeah. I carried the ball a lot in high school. It's not like I don't know how to handle the ball. Um, but he's trying to find his way here a little bit. And and when he was asked today, you know, basically, do you prefer being referenced as a tight end or as a fullback? He kind of laughed. He kind of looked at Jerry Emig, the sports information director, and kind of looked back at the media. He was trying to figure out the right way to say it. He goes, I'm a ball player. I'll go do whatever I need to do. That's probably the most fullback answer I've ever given. <laughs> it's like, well, that's that's a pretty good point. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it doesn't matter what we call him as oh. you know, as long as he does his job and what what the coaches ask for him. But yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just interesting to see that become a, a part of Ohio State's offense, especially you know, given the weapons they have at receiver, at tight end, at running back, to then be handing it off to a a former walk on who you know was just finding his way for several years and he even said today you know obviously like he could have went to Iowa he could have went to Wisconsin and they rotate guys at, at fullback like you know he could have been a, a a very important piece of those those offenses and you know for him to stick around for this extra year this year and then finally see that pay off like you know that's really awesome to see I don't want to get too deep into the Rutgers uh content because today's more reactionary to what we heard but um what what in general are your expectations for this week and have have they changed since before the year when you always say, okay, this is Rutgers week. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's important to note that the first Rutgers question today didn't come until 27 minutes into the press conference. So I think that that kind of tells you all that you need to know really about what everybody is expecting out of Rutgers or what everybody is expecting out of this just this result. Ohio State is a heavy favorite for sure, um, not just to win this week, but they are Sure looking like the best team in the country through the first four weeks. I realize Georgia beat Oregon and beat South Carolina and did it convincingly. Um, they kind of struggled with Kent State on uh, on Saturday. In fact, they gave up more, more points to Kent State than they gave up the first three games combined. It's not to say you're not allowed to have a bad game. Uh, the Buckeyes obviously played a really tough game out of the shoot against Notre Dame. It's not proving to be as good a win as the year's going along here. Uh, but I, I would contend Notre Dame is a far better opponent than Kent State is. Uh, and then the Buckeyes completely demolished Arkansas State, Toledo, and Wisconsin in consecutive weeks. Um, one of my favorite numbers from this past weekend, the Buckeyes, when they were up 28-0, they had run 23 plays, and 13 of those plays were for 10 or more yards. I mean, when Graham Mertz came on the field for his third possession, they went three and out. In the first possession, he threw a pick in the second possession. His third possession, uh, the, I think they had run eight plays and they were down 21 to nothing. And there were three minutes, four minutes left in the first quarter. Well, I think that that's just a really important part of, you know, having a defense that is able to match what you have on offense. Because, you know, I, I in my prediction before the game, you know, I said it was going to be 40, 49, 17. So I wasn't that far off. And I really thought that the game was going to go exactly how it did where, you know, and, I, and let me point out it. 
it's really stupid for any team to not take the ball first against Ohio State. Like, I don't think, you know, you normally don't want to take the ball. You want to defer to the second half. But the next thing you know, you're down seven to nothing and you're playing catch up. And that's exactly what happened on, on Saturday. You know, Mertz threw an interception because they're already trying to, you know, go, you know, go go exactly with Ohio State and those interception next thing you know it's 14 to nothing they punt the ball next thing you know it's 21 to nothing and it, it just it really snowballs from there so yeah I mean the only way a team is going to have a chance is if you know they're perfect on offense if they you know are able to go exactly with Ohio State and I mean I think that 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 starts from the very beginning I'm so glad you brought up the balance thing and we'll wrap on this you know Everybody that follows Ohio State football with any regularity, we're not telling you anything new about this offense. They are literally on on pace to break the all-time FBS record for consecutive games of 20 points or more. They've scored 40 points per game on average every year under Ryan Day. There's there's a hundred different ways to put into context how ridiculously good that this group has been. But if the Buckeyes are going to win a national championship, they've got to fix the defense. That was the problem three of the last four years, and certainly last year. All indications are that this defense is moving in the right direction. You you pretty much need to, to when you look at the end of the year, you want to see that there's complementary football between your offense and defense. And you don't need a top five defense the way that you know maybe we've we've heard thrown around a little bit. But if you don't have a top 25 defense, you're unlikely. If you look historically over the last two decades, you are unlikely to win the national championship. And right now, this defense is trending toward being a rock-solid top 25 defense in the country. The one thing that I've, I've been really impressed with, though, is just the fact that they've done it against multiple offenses. Like, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. It hasn't just been a team that wants to run the ball, you know, like we saw against Wisconsin and, and more, you know, a little bit up against Notre Dame. It's also been, you know, a, a dual-threat quarterbacks, you know, going up against a, a receiver like Champ, Champ Flemings, like at, at Arkansas State. Like, they've seen multiple kinds of offenses and multiple athletes that you know are different positions and i think that that's only going to be more beneficial for them so i saw a great uh stat we'll wrap with this on on a lack of balance this is really kind of uh kind of a no-brainer if you follow college football uh this is it's a graph that basically shows which teams in the country have the least balance the greatest imbalance between their offensive and defensive productivity whether it's good offense or good defense doesn't matter it's just where which teams have the widest gap who do you think's number one the okay. iowa hawkeyes yeah, <laughs> their defense has been terrific uh they have the number six ranked uh six ranked defense in the country their offense is 130th which i thought was hilarious <laughs> after they only scored what it was like six to nothing their season opener and there was a newspaper it said you know it said <laughs> iowa offense but the o's were missing which it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's a really good headline. Yeah. I like that. Uh, there are a, num a number of other teams on here that are noteworthy, including Tennessee, who has the number one rated defense in the country right now, but an offense that's ranked 95th. Part of the reason I bring this up, Rutgers is pretty high on this list. They have the ninth ranked defense in the country, and they've played fairly well, albeit not against some unbelievable programs quite yet. Uh, but Rutgers defense is ranked, I'm sorry, Rutgers offense is ranked 97th. They, I'm just off the top of my head. I know they beat Boston College in a one-point game in the played opener. Wagner. They played Wagner and uh, and Temple, and, and, and those are not 24 to Iowa. Yeah, not great non-conference non opponents there. And um, 
if you give up more than three touchdowns to Iowa, who can't move the ball, I'm not yeah. particularly encouraged. Well, I think it's important to note that going into last week's game, um, you know, Wisconsin was one of the top defenses in the country. Had only allowed eight points a game, and you know, their offense, I would assume, is better than Rutgers. You know, just based upon the fact that they have Braylon Allen, like you know, one of the one of the top three, I'd say, running backs in, in the Big Ten. So, you know, just to to kind of give you a preview of what's going to happen this weekend, like, you don't really have to look any further than that. I mean, a, t- a defense that's maybe comparable, an offense that's worse, you know what's going to happen. So far, so good for Ohio State. 4-0. They're 1-0 in conference play, and it's homecoming week here in Columbus. ton of coverage planned for you throughout the week. We hope you'll join us on BuckeyesNow.com. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and support the show by uh, joining us in our live streams as we have them throughout the week. But also, you can find this as a, a podcast wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for joining us. It's the Buckeye Report on the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow as we talk with a bunch of players after practice here at the Woody.